Hello and welcome to the Back Pass, a podcast for sports nerds by sports nerds. On tonight's episode, we talk about trigger warning for non-United fans. The Red Giants from Manchester winning their first trophy since 2017. Welcome to the Back Pass. I'm your host, Ali Milwala. And today I'm joined by two fellow red to the core devils, Gurpreet and Kevin. Lads, we're officially at one hug. Looks like we'll be at ten hug in no time at all. How's everyone feeling? Uh, Ali, I have waited way too long for an intro like that. Glory, glory, Man United. <laughs> Kevin, uh, you can't, you can't, you can't wake up to a better morning than you know a cup win. Doesn't matter what cup, just a cup win, you know. It really is gone are the days when you had, you know, your half your reserve team and Fergie fielded the 18-year-olds and you had Ben Foster in goal and, you know, the League Cup was like, uh, maybe we'll win it, maybe we won't. Oh, well. And it's now, now we have to win something. Yeah, I mean, you're right, Ali. I mean, I was sort of thinking about that, like, growing up, the league cup as as it as it as as it's been called way down the picking order but the reality is over the last 10 years since fergie we've been in a different place right and it, it just felt like the signs are there under ten hag that we're turning the corner this uh this uh, massive ship that uh, was a juggernaut of success, um, you know, has been sinking and he's turning that around. And I, I think this is almost, um, it's hardware that validates that whatever Ten Hag has been doing is working. Yeah, I think, I think that you nailed it with your last point. It's, it's, a, it's a measure, it's a yardstick to say that mm. the team's improving. Like we can see it, but this is now something tangible that we can, you know, put on the shelves, so to speak, and drink out of. I mean, you know, for a trophy that, you know, apparently no one really wants uh, for the longest time, Tottenham still don't have it. Yeah. <laughs> I had a good chuckle at uh, our, our old mate Ashisha. He fired through uh, a meme of Harry Maguire, who's now got more trophies than Harry Kane. And look, we, we laugh about it. But um, uh, Rio Ferdinand said it in his, um, his post-match rap. End of the day... It's a title, right? And and that's what matters at the end of your career. It's it's the titles. And you look at the likes of Casemiro and Varane today, and these are guys who've won multiple Champions League trophies. Varane is a World Cup winner. Licha Martinez won the World Cup three months ago, right? <laughs> what, less than three months ago. And, and you look at the, uh, the, the passion with which those guys were celebrating. That's what trophies do, man. It's, uh, yeah. It, it counts and it matters. And uh, if anyone says it doesn't, well, just ask Varane, Martinez and Casemiro. Oh, or better yet, ask the Newcastle boys because they looked pretty devastated at the end of the game. 100%. Well said. Except for yeah, Dubra- well said. Dubravka. Dubravka is pretty pleased with himself. 
I, wa- uh, I I wonder if his medal gets mailed out to him, or if he had to sneakily like get himself on stage to collect one, and just walk off uh, like I mean, head uh, down. Uh, imagine that. Hey boys, I'm just gonna just, duck just out sec, for a while. <laughs> yeah, just one sec. I'm just gonna go up there, <laughs> get my winner's medal. <laughs> oh, I love it. Totally love it. But the game itself, you know, we've gotten mm. we've gotten used to this this trend of recent trend where, you know, Man United actually have the most goals scored by substitutes in the top five European leagues. So we're currently sitting at 19 goals by subs this season, which is huge. And so Ten Hag's really good at making really good substitutions. But in this game itself, the subs weren't needed. Like, the game was wrapped up. The the, the players just wrapped the game up in the first half, and, and then it was just about game management and seeing it out. Mm. It was interesting listening to Ten Hag post-match, Ali. I gotta say, I I love the honesty and just the forthrightness with which he speaks. And the word that he kept using was adaptability, mm. right? So he he said he wanted his team to be adaptable because Newcastle give you different problems. And uh, Kevin, I think you made a really good point. You look at how devastated their fans were. And I actually think they played really well. Mm. I, they were unlucky to lose. We, I mean, we can we can hype it up, uh, we can we can lap it up, but we had to beat a proper team out there. Yeah. And and like like United, uh, Newcastle are also on an upwards trajectory. That was a proper game. That was an arm wrestle. That was a tussle. I thought the first twenty minutes were very physical. Um, Ali talking to you early in the morning on on WhatsApp. It was a very, it was a far cry from Barcelona. Yep. It was a very physical game. Yeah, it was. And I think what we did was we we scored early. We scored too early, and after that, I think the the team just adjusted, and we we basically just killed the game. Right there, there was no need to. There was no need to bring Garnacho on or bring Sancho on in a different role. It was just about shutting the game down. And um, it kind of reminded me a lot of how Fergie's team in 2008 played, right? That, that, was a, that was a team that had, obviously, peak Ronaldo, peak Rooney, serial game winners. But also, that was a team that could dance different ways, mm-hmm. right? They, they would adapt. And if you needed low block counterattack to beat Arsenal, they would do that. <laughs> if you needed mid-block to counter Barcelona at New Camp, they would do that, right? Yep. If they needed to go full throttle to score five goals against relegation fodder, they could do that. I, I got the impression today that that's kind of what Ten Hag wants. He, he wants this team to play a number of ways, not just his way, right? And I, I get a feeling he kind of doesn't have a way, right? He, he wants the team to adapt. Yeah, and I think... You know, you kind of forget as well that in the last 10 days, including this game, United played Barcelona twice. And that, that would have, you know, not only did they play Leicester in the middle of that, but they played Barcelona twice. So that's four games in 10 days that they've gone through. And, you know, they kind of coasted to the end where they kind of had preserved energy, got, the, got up early over Newcastle and then sat back and just withheld pressure. Yeah, that's... So looking at the game, like the importance of Casemiro is just it's mm. it's huge. He's he's the best. We, we talked about it before. He's the I, I think without a doubt he's one of the best transfers in the EPL, um, probably in the world game. Like I can't think of a better transfer at the moment. 
And he was what just you mean? So like Barcelona signed some amazing players. <laughs> yeah, let's we'll, we'll see how that went. <laughs> Well, I, I mean, Shivank's not on here. Otherwise, I would have mentioned um, Enzo Fernandez, but we'll we'll mention him anyway, right? Like, uh, I mean, Casemiro's like, you know, there, there's no comparison with like any other midfielder. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so coming coming back to it, so the thing that I noticed the most was when 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 we were attacking, Cas was amazing. He was up front. Um, that goal, he was in the perfect position mm-hmm. for. I mean, sure, taking that kick. That was a bit unexpected. Um, he would be the, you know, like if 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 you if you told me like at the at the end of this game that Shaw would have an assist, I would have said, yeah, maybe. And it was like a lucky sort of tap on like, to Rashi yeah, yeah, as he yeah, breaks. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> not really a cross, but um, the the tactical shift, which is what I was really impressed by. Exactly, they played Barcelona. Um, they've had. You know, a handful of games in the last ten days, the press was less. Mm. You know, it wasn't as high intensity. I think that was a tactical choice. Yeah. But they were still in the right position, right? And they were still yeah. making. Yeah. And you know, there were there were times with where Saint Maxim, when Saint Maxim made that, um, uh, got past Delo in one on one. I thought, I thought, you know what? What was the probably the the interchange or the the um, the sub that was the most important was getting Dallo off for um, Juan Bissaka because Juan Bissaka in one-on-one is like man on man is a much better player. And that, that also made a difference because, you know, I I don't think a lot of coaches do this well where they get up um, and they're able to shift the team's mentality to, you know, hold leads um, and go into defensive structures. Sometimes teams can just sort of ride their own momentum and start making mistakes mm. in you know counter and stuff like that. Um, so I thought that was huge. Um, and just coming on Newcastle, Newcastle threw a lot at us, and I, I thought, I thought, so Maxim was unlucky. There was a couple of times where Almiron had um, some good shots. Mm. I think they couldn't get it to Wilson. That interchange in the first half between um, the midfield and the front was a problem. And then when Longstaff came off, then it was a problem from the back to the midfield. Yeah, yeah, nailed it, yeah. nailed it. Yeah, and I think if you look at the way Newcastle play, it's really interesting because Ali, you touched on it. The last the last ten days, we've had Barcelona and then Leicester, and let's remember we struggled in that first half against Leicester. Then Barcelona again, and now this this final. It, it was really, in many ways, uh, a season-defining ten days. Right, that there was ample space for this to go very, very wrong for for Ten Hag and the boys. And, and the way they've executed, I think, a has just been the execution has been exceptional. Right, and and whether you like United or you don't, you've got to give United credit for the way this has been executed. The the, the tactics over the last 10 games have been executed perfectly. But it's also been the variety, right? Uh, you look at the way a Leicester play mm. to the way a Barcelona play to the way Newcastle yeah. play, and it's very different, right? Um, Newcastle, for me, were probably tactically the most intriguing team because they mm. give you very different problems. I, I, I think there's a very good reason the press doesn't work against Newcastle. And that's because... Um, and I know we were raving on about Trippier this morning, but you look at the players they have that carry the ball really well. Mm. So you look at Bruno Guimaraes. 
He's a he's an excellent ball carrier. Um, the way Eddie Howe has transformed uh, Joe Linton from a, a really a failed centre forward yeah. to a, a I can't even tell you what a he is. Like, he's like midfielder. a number eight, right? Just a running number. A running yeah, midfielder, yeah. right? But 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 a, but but an athlete, someone who carries the ball really well. Um, Saint Maxim, we we mm. know about, right? He he gives you absolute fits and. I think with where United are at right now, where our pressing game really isn't at, say, Arsenal or City levels, it was probably the right thing to do to not press them high and, and to sort of sit in like this mid to lowish block and, and not to have that space in behind. Because I think that's what we did really well. I, I think that's the kind of space that Wilson thrives on. And and Wilson today was just, he was basically a passenger, yeah. right? Like there was that, just yeah. no space... There was no space for Newcastle to carry the ball and then to feed him. And and when they did get the ball around Wilson, um, we had that triangle that we spoke mm. about pre-show. Um, Varane, Licha Martinez, and Casemiro, and they just they just clamped down on things. Yeah. And I think when you're sitting up like that to go a goal up, it kind of forced Newcastle to... Uh, Kevin, you touched on it. Um, when they took Longstaff off and they brought Isak on, yeah. I kind of knew at that point the game was over because their problem after that would have been effectively what uh, what Ten Hag did after that was he moved Bruno into the number eight role and yeah, we just exactly. went man for man in yeah, midfield. Yeah. And and then the whole problem was, well, how do you get the ball into midfield? And at that point, the moment uh, Fabian Shah and Botman started carrying the ball into midfield, you yeah. knew it was game over on the counter. Yeah. Uh, it was just the game, the game management, I thought, was exceptional. Um, you know, off the back of that Barcelona game, because we couldn't play against Newcastle the way we played against Barcelona. That would never yeah. work. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, fully agree. And I, I mean, I, I, other than that, you need, uh, you know, uh, for all our analysis, for all our tactics, um, these games come down to, uh, I mean, uh, you know, Ralph Rangnick used to go on about it. The first goal is so crucial, right? In, in these big games, when you get the first goal, well, actually, Barcelona got the first goal, right? But they got yeah, the first goal you know, two, in two not, games, right? Yeah, in two games, right? You know, so maybe not against Ten Hag's. Uh, <laughs> and that's where the substitutes come in. But that's I right. think the that's biggest change and the reason why this feels very different to when uh, Louis Van Gaal won won the FA Cup with United, or when Jose Mourinho won the League Cup, the reason it feels different is because it seems like. United are going into games on the having the upper hand, and if they don't, they can tactically shift so quickly and gain the upper hand within within the same match that opponents literally can't get the best off United. You know, Oli Gunnar had like the classic problem of say these same ten games. If while Oli Gunnar was manager, he the part he struggled with, he would have probably beaten Barcelona. He he would have built mm. set it up set up the team on the counter let uh, let's absorb Barcelona let them have seventy percent of the possession we'll pick them off we'll get the goals but then we would have struggled against Leicester and Newcastle because they wouldn't have quite given us that same space and we wouldn't have been able to counter the same way and wouldn't have been able to set up that low block in that same way that would yeah. suit it but they would it would work against the bigger teams. And that was Ole Gunnar's biggest problem was how to be a bit more of a progressive team where Ten Hag seems to have that balance of we can ebb and flow in moments and we can be a progressive team. We can be a, we can be a team on, on the counter, on, you know, in the transition. 
but we could also you know have have that balance as well and that is that's what the real positive positivity comes from is that he's making the most of a squad that has a lot of issues that's not quite his squad goalkeeping is still a big issue he would love to play out the back play out from the back but Deha just cannot always yeah. find the right pass yeah. or is not as confident so yeah. he's like Deha kick it long like get it out of there yeah get it get it into midfield yeah. like let's deal with it on the transition there and he's got the team to deal with it there right he's like we're going to deal with the transition Casemiro can help when Casemiro is on we can go long to to Val we can try to win an aerial yeah. battle but yeah we'll yeah we'll we'll take the transition for midfield we just not quite able to control the ball in the defense through the goalkeeper quite yet before he signed for united and there was that whole debate with uh there was a number of names in the frame um and i just remember reading up on ten hag and and one of the comments that really stood out and i think it was steve mclaren that said this um he called ten hag the best reader of the game he'd ever worked with and, and I think more than anything else, right, because he's done a number of things really well, this is what's kind of really standing out for me is just how well he reads the game and he's able to tweak things. And, and this is genuinely the first time since Fergie that I felt this way where if the team go a goal down or they're not playing well in the first half, I'm for the first time in about a decade, I'm actually relaxed at halftime. You know, I'm not fidgeting we'll around going, oh my God, I've got to sit through like another 45 minutes of this. Like, it's like, yeah, he'll sort them out. He'll, he will sort this out. I, mean, I don't know about you, Kevin, but do you get the same vibe with him that like, even if United aren't playing well, he will sort them out? Yeah, I, I don't, I, I think he's, he's probably one of the best uh, tactical coaches um, yeah. like yeah. game reading tactical coaches because some coaches know that they have to do something and they'll do something but it won't be the right thing mm. often with Ten Hag right. it's the it's the right change at the right time and you can see the shift it's not like a it's it's a tangible thing it's like the way that the players all, all of a sudden some, there's some sort of action at this particular point in the pitch where you're going why is it you know so soft around here there's like open space on that yeah. you know you know when you're watching the game you can see those things right and um anybody who's played any sort of um you know uh, group sport or team sport before knows that when you're on the pitch you can be completely oblivious to that um so to to be able to like translate that onto action um, I think he's probably the best, one of the best in the league. Mm. And, and look, that's a really good point about sometimes just doing the obvious thing, right? And and again, look, uh, shameless plug for the back pass here. <laughs> Not that we're quite at that Ten Hag level, but I'll use the example of the last three games, right? So if we go if we go to that Leicester game at halftime, I know on the WhatsApp group we were all saying we got to hold the ball better in the final third. We're not looking after it really well. And Leicester just counterattacking. What does he do? He brings Sancho on and we hold the ball really well in midfield. Um, that midweek game against Barcelona, uh, I think it was Ali that was saying, Bruno on the right isn't working. We've got to bring Anthony on. We've got to move Bruno back into the middle and we've got to stretch the game out. And bang on, that's what he does. And Straight Ali, uh, I think you called it this morning that uh, Dalo is... Dalo's got to go off. We're going to bring Juan Bissaka on. Yeah. And what a substitution. That, that you know, and, and this is what I mean. Like, uh, you know, often the likes of Oli, the likes of Jose, 
wouldn't do the obvious thing. And uh, Ali, if I'm not mistaken, it was you that brought up the example of um, Oli not taking Fred off yep. in that PSG yep. game when it was such an obvious thing to do. He was just right? running was... into players. He was running into players. He's like, this guy's going to get sent off. Like, he's on a yellow. He's going to get himself sent yeah. off. Take him off the field. And, and, the, and the number of times under Jose or under Louis van Gaal where the tempo in the game clearly needed lifting. Either we were down or with about 20 minutes to go, we weren't ahead. And they were just making like-for-like changes, right? Mm. So if you're taking a right-back off and you're bringing a right-back on, it's very different to what Ten Hag did today. The change today was proactive. He he basically said, I know what Newcastle are going to do. I know they're going to run at Dalot, so I'm going to take off the guy on the yellow card. But often what previous managers would do would be no change in shape, mm. it would be a like-for-like change, and it wouldn't have a material impact on the yeah. game. I don't get that vibe with Ten Hag. He, he is genuinely an elite tactician. Uh, and I agree he doesn't have all the tools at the moment, right? He, uh, the hair we know, it's well documented that he can't play out from the back. Mm-hmm. I think we saw at times today where um, when you can get around Casemiro, the midfield with Fred has issues, right? Either defensively or offensively. Yeah. If and and Rashi did look a little bit tired, I think that you know the games are starting to have an impact yeah. on him. Without Rashford, we don't really have another genuine goal threat. Uh, but these are all these are all issues to sort out in the summer, right? And and I, I love the fact that unlike Jose Mourinho, Ten Hag doesn't make excuses. He doesn't say that we can't win stuff because I don't have all my toys, right? He. You know, he's instilled that mentality that there are no excuses. Every game is there to be won. And he genuinely believes that. And mm-hmm. I love that. And, you know, like the whole the whole uh, Dalo and AVB thing, like he's, he's clearly decided that in games when he needs a bit more defensive solidity, uh, Aaron Wan-Bissaka gets picked, Aaron Wan-Bissaka starts. When he needs a bit more on the attacking side and he wanted to attack Newcastle today, he puts Dalo on. and what happened was Alan St. Maxim, Maximan like just targeted Dallo. Dallo got a yellow card and he knew Alan St. Maximan wouldn't stop. So AWB comes on and suddenly um, uh, Eddie Howe hooks Alan St. Maximan because he's like, you're not having the same impact anymore. AWB's got you yeah, locked up. Yeah. Like get him, get him yeah. off the field, put yeah. someone else on because that tactics, that tactics now wasted. So do you think? Look, I, I think Eddie Vale's a pretty good, um, a pretty good coach as well. Like to be able to make that kind of change that quickly. Do you think? Do you think Newcastle are don't have the talent to shift as much? Like, what's the difference between Newcastle and Menu at the moment? Because the other thing I'll say is that I think Newcastle can beat Barcelona. I, I think. I think at this level, at the way that Barcelona is playing in those last two games, that they can definitely beat Barcelona. And I, I think it, it may be like a 1-0 or like a yeah, you know, very low-scoring game. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think they have the tactics and the discipline to be able to do that. I think Eddie Howe is a really good coach and he is just lacking quality in key positions. Like, you know, mm-hmm. I mean... You look at you look at who they played in midfield, right? Like, I mean, Bruno's great. Like, he's showing why he's great, Bruno Bruno Guimaraes. But then he's got 
uh, Longstaff behind him, who yeah. is he really match up to Casemiro? Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, yeah. and or yeah. like Busquets yeah. or FDJ, like you know that there's a, there's that quality, slight quality difference there. And then up front again, Callum Wilson. Callum Wilson's a good striker and good Premier League striker as well, and had has had a pretty strong strong career. But he has he has weaknesses and he has. He's not quite that, you know, that that next quality level, and hope yeah. the hope is that yeah. Isaac yeah. is, but there are just that few couple, and you know, even if you look at the across the back line, like uh, I guess Shah, um, and then who have they got? They've got Botman, 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 and Dan, Dan Burn. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and Kieran Trippier yeah. definitely. I think he could he could fit in the Barcelona squad. Barcelona would take him. Yeah, they would sign yeah. anyone right now. Yeah. And I do agree. And I think this was discussed when we had um, the likes of Adam on the show, when we were looking at what Newcastle. And, and I agree, Kevin. I think uh, I think Newcastle are genuinely a top four side. I, I I think their biggest weakness today was not having a um, not having a midfielder like Frankie De Jong, someone who could carry the ball really well. Because it now I, I know we spoke about Bruno Gimmerich carrying the ball really well and Almiron carrying the ball really well. But I, I think what they needed when they went to a four four two was they they kind of needed someone at the base of that midfield who was who had that similar profile to what De Jong has, where he's very press resistant. It doesn't matter if you go man to man with him. You know, if Bruno goes man to man or Fred goes man to man, he's just going to spin him around and turn him around, and you know, basically have Casemiro come out of that. Because basically in the second half, what Casemiro was doing was he was like a third center back, right? Yeah, we, Newcastle yeah. just couldn't lure him out of that, which is which, which took which took Wilson out of the game. I think they kind of needed that different profile of midfielder, someone who could pass the ball better, carry the ball with a little bit more quality that would sort of just pry United out of shape, yeah. like at times Barcelona did. I, I don't think they kind of had that quality. And, and secondly, I think as good as um, St. Maximum is, we could see in that second half when he couldn't get past one Bissaka, he was kind of doing that that thing that like the uh, the really good dribbler at high school does. Like when you can't get past him, he's just going to keep trying different tricks, and he'll just like go yeah. down this hole. And the the only thing you can do at that point is stop him off, right? Mm, Which is what yeah. Eddie Howe did. I I think they need a profile of a wide player who's sort of similar to to Anthony or Jaden Sancho, someone creative but creative in a link-up sense right someone and, and again we saw it time and time again where even in that first half where um saint maxim was toasting below varan was just going over and covering right because all all he would do is he would beat Delo and then he would try and beat the next man right now yeah. he's a great dribbler but how often are you going to beat varan right and if you get past varan how often are you going to beat varan and casemiro not very often hmm. I think what you sort of needed was um, someone who had that kind of awareness to say, actually, it's a good time to pass here because we've, I've beaten one man. There's an overlap. I'm just going to fire that really sharp ball into midfield um, and the goal will actually come from the other side, you know, because that's probably where the overlap is. Kind of how Brighton and Brentford were opening us up, you know, yeah. early doors. Um, but yeah, I, as Ali says, I think a better quality Better quality and more variety in their team, and and I think they're genuinely, uh, uh, yeah, I I would say they're probably not too far away from being a fixture in the top four. No, it's it's also that they, Newcastle currently uh, 
handcuffed by FPP regulations and try to stick to it. So correct. they yeah, will correct. they will correct. spend, yeah. you know, 100, 150 million a year every summer window and get like a couple more of the right players or two or three more of the right players. And suddenly they'll have like a, yeah. a stacked yeah. team in, in, in a few years time. And we'll be like, oh, how do they get all these amazing players? And, you know, again, again, for all of our analysis, right, like look at the first 30 minutes of that game, right? Um, uh, when when Trippier kind of, when he started getting forward and they started overlapping yeah. on shore side, yeah. there was a couple of whip balls that they put in. There was that ball that uh, I think it was Almiron put in that went across yeah. to um, yeah. ASM and ASM totally skinned Dalo and he had that shot that the hair saved. You know, if that goes in, it's a totally different conversation, mm. right? Um, Newcastle probably shut up yeah, shop the, the match is harder, completely yeah. different, right? So, yeah. you know, big games need big moments. And um, yeah, I think the fact that Newcastle didn't get those big moments meant that their lack of quality kind of told. So yeah. for United, it is now one down, three more competitions to go. We've three still got, go. United still have the UEFA Cup. Obviously, now going to be going against a Spanish team again in Real Betis. In Real Betis. Mm. And then there's the FA Cup against West Ham mm. coming up. And then the Premier League. So let's talk, let's talk Premier League for a moment. What uh, No one expected United to be a third. And I think a few months ago, I predicted United to win the league. <laughs> let's let's reassess where we're at. What do you think, Kevin? Look, I don't think we've changed that much for us to be able to win the league. I think I think our, our opportunity to win the league is Arsenal floundering, um, and the court case to Fuck. deduct points from Man City. <laughs> yeah, um, if that happens, that puts us in second. And that'll and if we get a run, then there's a chance that we could. But I, I don't like I almost don't want us to win this year. I think I think it's enough. It's not like a <laughs> I, I think it doesn't help us long term, right? Um because it sort of hides the facts that we probably need to and, and I'm thinking long term in the sense that I think this with with um Ten Hag there's a there's a good chance in the next five years that we'll win Champion League. Um, if everything sort of aligns, we get the ownership situation right. Um, I, I don't, uh, especially after this season, I don't think there's anything stopping any player thinking that this team is not a Champions League level team. And so, like, what's what's stopping players from coming here? Like, it's it's back in the old days where, you know, this is the place to play. Um, and then if we get a, if we get a couple, we get a few players that come on and they can fit the system and they, you know, they follow ten high, sort of same level as Casemiro. Then there's a good chance that uh, next three to f- we could we could be on a five year run, maybe even a ten year run. On top of that, mm. the I guess the fear is that with this season, City is slightly off pace and Liverpool are completely off pace. And it's Arsenal who are kind of starting to show some signs of weaknesses. Is that waiting for another season? And, you know, United have had two second place finishes in the last, within the last 10 years. But the season after, they've not made Champions League. Mm. Right? So it's following that up. And I think, you know, 
they're, they're very likely City and Liverpool fix their problems in the summer. And next next season is another 100-point minimum kind of season where mm. both teams just hit the ground running and they're just fully determined because they were crap last season and, you know, Klopp and Pep got them fired up and going from the start. Yeah, so that's a that's a really interesting point because what you're talking about there is well, how much room does Man City and Liverpool have to go? It kind of seems like Klopp's trying to change the way that they played because they've hit the ceiling on their current mm-hmm. structure. I mean, that's the only that's the well, only they- reason that I can see that um, um, have Salah playing out completely in a different position than he's dominated the league for. Right, he's not in the middle anymore. He's out wide most of the time. Mm. Um, so I think Klopp's trying to change things up to try and to try and get to that point. How much space is there for for us to grow? How, how much space does Man United have to grow? And I look at it like this: if we come second this year, I still think there's about maybe forty or fifty percent of growth in this team, especially with the right additions. Like imagine this team with FDJ in it, like or an FDJ. Level level player. I will right? I will counter your argument with United finished second under Oli Gunnar, and we said imagine this team with Rafa Varane, Jaden Sancho, and Cristiano Ronaldo in it. It fixes all our problems. This becomes yeah. this team, or yeah. nearly all our problems, because we still didn't have a uh, defensive midfielder then. But those three was like, oh, we've got a champion. We've got a champion center back. We've got a champion striker. We've got a gun winger. This is now going to take us from second to first. But in switching to progressive, Oli Gunnar's team actually went backwards. The counter counter argument to that, Ali, is um, that team under Oli probably didn't have what I believe is the biggest strength of this team, which is Ten Hag, right? Like you fundamentally have someone now at the club who... I will say, since Ferguson is now the... I mean, look, I feel Ten Hag is now the most important person at this club, mm. right? It's not Marcus Rashford. It's not Casemiro. It's not Rafa Varane. It is Ten Hag. This is Ten Hag's team, yep. right? He is the he is top dog, right? And, and I think under that top dog, you've kind of got a bunch of characters now that are... Well, for starters, they're not Harry Maguire, right? So you've got you've got Casemiro, you've got um, Licha Martinez, you've got Rafa Varane, you've got Bruno Fernandez. I, I think this is a team that is not going to accept the lowering of standards after a second place finish. So I, I I do think United ceiling. If you look at um if you look at the teams around us, the teams we're going to be competing with is is higher. I I do believe it's a thirty to forty percent improvement in this team. But I equally, I, I think um, it's not going to be it's not going to be as clear cut next year because Newcastle are going to get better. Mm. Um, we talk about Arsenal, right? Arsenal are on an upwards. Tr- uh, you know, I, I think Arsenal could get twenty percent better, right? Yeah. If they have a better profile of yeah. midfielder, they get twenty to thirty percent better. Um, Liverpool, I think things are going to get worse. I, I actually think this team needs to be yeah. cleaned out and he needs to start again. And I, I don't know if Klopp has it in him to start again, but he almost needs to do that thing that Fergie did where you kind of recognize that actually, you know what? Um, 
yeah, it is It is probably time to start moving some of their players on yeah. so that you can start replacing them. Um, City, for me, are the really interesting one, right? I, um, I don't really know what's happening with them, right? Like, there's weeks where they look incredible, <laughs> and then there's other weeks where it's like, how are you the dominant team in England, right? Like, you're struggling to break down a low block. Um, I, I don't really know what direction City are going to go in, um, in, in all honesty. Like, they are a bit of a conundrum for me. Um, even defensively, they don't look as secure as, as they've done in the past. Um, and, and they don't have that excuse of, like, Ruben Diaz is missing. So, like, you know, uh, come meet us outside when he's back. Like, he is back now, and you still can't keep a clean sheet. Um, like, Chris Wood scored against them um, just last week. Um <laughs> You know, Why do you so, make it sound uh, like that's a bad thing or like that's a terrible thing for Man City? Well, actually, interestingly, Chris Wood sp- would have become... Well, let's put, in, star, put in, hold on, let's put it in context. Wait, 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 hold on. Let's put it in context. How much is Chris Wood's salary and how much is that backline salary? It's like an order of magnitude difference. It's yeah, not- <laughs> and this is it. This is it, right? This is. It's not a slide against Chris Wood, who actually would have become... Um, we laugh about Martin Dubravka, but Chris Wood would have become the first New Zealander to win a major trophy had Newcastle won today because he was cup tight. Um, yeah, he's played for Newcastle. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so a very good striker. But as you say, Kevin, you know, when you compare his salary to the likes of um, Erling Haaland or, or Kevin De Bruyne, uh, it's it's chalk and cheese, right? Yeah. So yeah, City, City I'm, I'm, I'm struggling to get a read on, on, on City. Uh, the, the team I worry about though is Chelsea, right? Like with that amount of talent, um, they they are going to come right at some point and you've potentially got another top four challenger there. And then so I, you like also then worry is, is even top four a guarantee, let alone exactly. winning the league. And, and I think this is, uh, this is where I think there is this need for investment, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Ali, I mean, you said it yourself, right? We had second place finishes and then we flunked out um, each of the last few years. Um, if I'm not mistaken, that year that Jose finished second, we got Fred, Dalo, and a backup goalkeeper, right? And um, Jose completely threw his toys out, yeah. right? Um, so we hardly improved on the squad that finished second. Under Oli, yes, you're right. We got Jaden Sancho, we got Rafa Varane, we got Cristiano Ronaldo. I know all of us said it. What we actually needed more than any of those three was a Casemiro, right? (laughs) You know, and we're seeing what Casemiro is doing this year, right? Um, Mm -hmm. And now, uh, Oli, again, I don't think he was big enough. I don't think he was uh, quite the personality that a Ten Hag is Mm -hmm. to say, actually, no, I don't want Ronaldo. Go get me FDJ or go get me Casemiro. Uh, this is what I think the difference is. I, I think Ten Hag is big enough mm. to say, and I think the club have learned from the mistakes we've made. Um, like, for example, I know uh, with the recruitment, um, one of the roles that Darren Fletcher plays is um, there's a big emphasis placed on the character of the players. Yeah. So what are their personalities like? What are they like in the dressing room? I don't think we want to repeat the mistakes we've made with, um, I mean, I'm not going to name any players, but um, certain players with, uh, you know, uh, anyway. initials, <laughs> uh, with, uh, with initials like PP, um, you know, um, I don't think we want to repeat those mistakes. And, and the fact that we're looking at these intangibles now um, beyond just uh, retweets and, you know, yeah. 
social media reach. Um, yeah, uh, it, it bodes well. I just wanted to add, Gurpreet, that you have been learning and watching a lot from uh, Ten Hag that the fact that you're playing so well on the transition, that you countered a counter. You know, it's uh, it, it's all about it's all about countering that counter. You know, um, that's um, yeah, that's where that's the biggest thing I've learned from Ten Hag. <laughs> that's when they're most vulnerable. That's when the opposition's most vulnerable. Uh, and actually, I mean, let, let, let's be honest. Like, uh, you know, joking aside, what he called perfectly today was he predicted what Newcastle were going to do. Like he mm. he knew Newcastle were going to go four four two. They would bring a sock on, and the moment they did that, he kind of went, like, "Yeah, yep. Bruno, you're back in the A." <laughs> Yeah, I, I know exactly what you're going to do. Yeah. And 10 minutes later, you're going to struggle to get the ball into midfield and your defenders are going to start carrying the ball out. And I'll just move out deeper. And I will... Uh, you know, there was that chance that... Um, where Juan Bissaka made that tackle around halfway and he got the ball off their defender. And if were it not for a bit of... You know, if, if I think it was Sancho at that point or one of our yeah. attackers... If there was just a better pass, it would have been yep. 3-0 and game over, right? Yep. Um, it, again, I think his ability to predict what the opposition manager is going to do and proactively plan against, yeah, proactively plan for that is uh, is just exceptional. It's it's refreshing, honestly. It, it's not a Jose Mourinho type of like um, shit um, You know, it's 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 more it's more tactical, I guess. Yeah, I think I think it's. It's not prediction. I think he forces, or his tactics forces the other team to to play in a particular way. He, right? he likes cornering and oppositions, right? Like he yeah, he does. He does him into a corner that he yeah. wants them to go exactly. Into. Yeah, he pushes yeah. oppositions into positions that that he wants to play them in, and then he he settles back and then does yeah, what he and, wants. And, and I think Ali made the point really well earlier. I, I think what lets him down at times is our lack of quality in those key areas that Ali yeah. named, right? Like the fact that we don't have a we don't have a midfielder in the profile of FDJ, right? Like when um and I think we saw this against Leeds, you know, when when Leeds put that mid block against us and they pressed us really well, we didn't really have a truly press resistant midfielder. Right. Um again we saw it in that first half against Barcelona where when you double up against Rashford and you deny him that space in behind without another outlet, United struggle for goals. These are, these are two very obvious weaknesses in this team. And, and De Gea we know about, right? So the, the scary thing is you, you plug those holes and you upgrade those positions. And, and I think we're looking at a, a 30 to 40% upgrade, as you said, Kevin. Yeah. Yeah. Now, like, also look at it from the perspective of Jaden Sancho is not playing his best. Um, not by a long shot. And Anthony, while he started, you know, really well, I don't think he's he's sort of dipped off a little bit. But the team is still covering for him. Like you know, it's there's been a couple of games where he sort of he's he's starting to come back up. So it, it's it's the balance factor and the depth there in the way that the, this team sort of fits together. I think that's probably one of the biggest changes that I've seen especially since from last year. I think last year, if yeah. anybody dips in form, nobody can cover it. Um, yeah. And it just sort yeah. of yeah. perpetuates a downward cycle. Yeah. I think it was one of the earlier, when you joined the team, Kevin, you kind of made the point. Uh, it was one of the first sort of United-based shows we had with yourself. Um, you made the point about coaching and, and the need for United to not 
continuously just look at the transfer window to sign an upgrade on Juan Bissaka, say, right? Like, because at the end of the day, we have a 50 million pound right back. And I think this is kind of the biggest thing we've seen with Ten Hag is where he has improved just about every player at the club, right? And, And that's directly through coaching. But also one of the things that he's done, and, and Sancho is a good example of this, he's a player who isn't quite playing at his potential, but he's still adding value to the team, yeah. right? It, it's, it's that thing that Fergie could do where he could say, okay, you know what? Like, you're not scoring me 25 goals a season, but you still have a role to play in the team, right? The, the number of times he managed Rooney through form routes, right? Where Rooney, Rooney was this very streaky player who would go on runs where he would score 12 in five games and then not score for like another 10 games. But Fergie had a way to fit Rooney into the system. Fergie had a way to put uh, Jason Park into the system, right? Mm-hmm. Fergie had a way to put Phil Neville into the system. And and again, this is this is a feeling I get with, with Ten Hag is he's able to take the more limited players in the team but find a role for them to be effective. And 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 none more so than Walt Wojcicki, who, I mean, let's be honest, we yeah. can laugh at uh, we can laugh at Chris Wood, but you know, Walt is not that much better. <laughs> but you know, he has a very important role to play in this team. Yep. Yeah. I agree. Yeah, it's actually it's a big contrast between him and Wilson. Like Wilson got buried up front and then could not do anything. Like he was just just a passenger for the rest of that game. He but, was Wow, even though he may not be, you know, scoring goals or doing any that kind of stuff, he still does something. He still he drops back, covers a little bit, he puts a little bit of press on, he he does something to keep the game going and keep you know, trying to get somebody else an advantage at least. Yeah. Yeah. It's that it's a very Fergie S thing where like um you know, when when Ronaldo in, in 08, when Ronaldo was in hot, hot form and at times Tevez and Rooney were struggling, Fergie kind of made it clear that, look, Ronaldo's the guy who's going to be scoring the goals, but you guys have to put a shift in on the wings. And the amount of times that Tevez and Rooney in particular totally swung games for us just by doing the hard yards, right? They would lock down the opposition fullbacks and they would track and track and track. And that kind of allowed Ronaldo to shine. I kind of get the same impression that Ten Hag's sort of gone, look, Rashi is like our biggest goal threat, right? So in order to give him that space and that license to play off the shoulder of the last defender, everyone else has to work, right? Whether that's Bruno or that's Anthony or that's Sancho or that's Wout. And we'll kind of set the platform for him to shine. And yeah, it's it's that Fergie thing of we sacrifice for the team, which I don't think we've had in the past. Even under Jose, I don't think we've had this level of discipline. And I did have one more thing for you, Kevin. Paul Scholes, in his article, recently referred to Casemiro as the closest thing United have got to Roy Keane. How big a compliment is that? Yeah, that's that's a pretty big compliment. But I, I think if he does two seasons of this, I'd say, yeah. I, I'd say this is probably the closest thing since Roy, Roy Keane. But he's got it like Roy Keane was doing it for ages. Like, it's not, yeah, of course. It's, it's it's not it's not like the. But he's the closest equivalent and, uh, to Roy Keane that United have well, ever had. The, the other thing after. is like comparing players from different eras, and it's it's a big difference as well. Like 
the physicality. There's not. I, I think there's probably less physicality now than there was before. Um, you know, the games, even though that the English, the English league is is a lot more physical than say the Sp- uh, Spanish league, like, or you know the French league. Um, it's not. It's not what it was before. And Roy Keane was just so dominant. Mm. Isn't. But you know, I I think that um, I think that sort of speaks to the type of player that he is and what he's doing. I, I think it's more of that than the actual the control you know, skill and sets and that he's having on the team. Exactly. Yeah. 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 The impact. Yeah. But I, I also think that his impact is replicable, right? I think there are players out there who could be maybe not replace replace him like for like, but be able to get a facsimile of that. On the other side of the pitch, um, maybe do seventy-five percent of what he's doing right now, and I think that's what we're missing. Because as soon as he goes and Ericsson's gone out of the team, there is a big, big difference. Mm. There's, there's, it's it's too yeah. much of a gap at the moment. Yeah, it is a bit and, of a drop. And I, I do wonder with with Scalzi saying that, how much of it is not so much of his, I guess, footballing at, attributes, but just around the character that he brings. And, and and that's the thing that I think is harder to to replace, right? Just, and I think we saw it in the final today, right? Like the fact that, um, was it in the second half or the first half where he kind of cleared the ball near our goal line and he kind of got up and he was geeing the crowd up, mm. right? Like just the, the character that Casemiro is. Um, and it's been documented all over the internet, but um, the little kind of, in air quotes, argument that he had with Bruno about not passing it, you know, at 2-0 um, and making it 3-0. Like, th- this guy is a serial winner like Kino was, right? Like, he's probably back in the training ground this morning saying, hey, enough parting, let's go again, right? Uh, it's, I think whenever Casemiro goes or whenever he needs to be replaced, it's it's finding that that mindset. Um, that's going to be the difficulty. But but equally, I think Ten Hag is able to identify those characters, right? Like, yeah. the fact that he repeatedly mentions not Casemiro and Varane, but Martinez, right? And yeah. and here, and I mean, yeah. let's be honest, guys, like, here's a player that, um, look, three of us here, you know, we're, we're pretty mad about football. How many of you thought Martinez was this type of character? Because <laughs> yeah. I certainly didn't. Yeah. How, many, how many of us would have said that Martinez would be would, would be this, not only this, but be also a World Cup winner in the same year, right? Like, let's put it into context. That tackle that he made, that tackle where he cleared, you know, he had studs up at the time, but to have the courage to do that with his size and to play with his size, play with physicality with his size is, is not something that, you know, a lot of players can do. Yeah. I, I think... I think Martinez over Dalo has really impressed me. And I think, like, if you think about it, we've got Varane and Martinez in the middle, and they both have done amazing jobs. And Varane has got the pedigree because he's been doing it for a long time, mm. but Martinez is, you know, he's, he's, he's been amazing. Um, and it's, it's, it's two things there, though. Like, when Cass, Cass saves us in situations where if Fred makes a mistake, right? And the ball's loose. Cass is the first person there, but the same also is true for Martinez because I see him when you know when 
you know, Shaw makes a mistake or somebody else makes a mistake. He's the one who's sprinting across the mm. field to, to, to make the cover tackle. Yeah. And, 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 and this is the thing that, that kind of gives me a lot of optimism about Ten Hag. The fact that he so desperately wanted him at United. Right, like he was one of, um, you could say the Casemiro signing was a little bit, I know we did an entire podcast on this, right? Like it was possibly reactive to not getting FDJ, but Martinez, he was like, it, That's the one I he was top yeah. of the list, right? He is, he is my guy, you go sign him. And I know he didn't do it at the time, but it's so obvious now that Martinez was the guy he wanted to replace Maguire in the first 11, right? Yep. It's, it's blindingly obvious now. Yep. The fact that he is just so physical, he is such a leader, he's got this tenacity, but he's also such a good ball player, right? Yep. Like he never gives the ball away when he's distributing it. And then this is the thing with Ten Hag, like the fact that he's able to go and identify these characters, right? It, it kind of makes me feel that whatever budget we have, whatever money we have, it's in safe hands. He, he will find a way to make us better, which again makes him the most important man at this club. Yeah, yeah. Bruno is a great example of that. I would have said at the start of this year he wouldn't have made a good captain, but he's he's come on leaps and bounds. Like he's grown with the captaincy. Yeah, uh, and really, uh, you t- good point. Uh, you, you touch on the, um, you know, it wasn't Maguire lifting the trophy today. It was a joint. It was a joint hoisting of the trophy, which I think is kind of another indication that. Maguire's the club captain, but Bruno's, yeah. Bruno's the real captain. Yeah, Bruno's the actual captain. Yeah. Well, that's all we have time for this week, guys. That's a, that's a lot of love and a lot of chat about Manchester United and their future trajectory. Thank you to our panel for their thoughts and opinions on this. If you want to get sports nerdy with the team, you can reach us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at the Backpass Pod. We'll be back next week with more sports analysis and banter right here on The Back.